0: Welcome to the Parlay Podcast, a thought-provoking and entertaining podcast that breaks down the pathology of speech, language, and other processes that affect the way we communicate on a daily basis. Professor of speech and language pathology, Chantal Mayer-Crittenden, hosts a bevy of guests who help her explore and explain the diverse landscape of speech, language, and their relationship with the brain. Hello, everybody. This is Chantal Mayer-Crittenden, the host of the Parley podcast. This is season three, episode six, and I am just elated to be accompanied by guests all the way from Nigeria, Africa. And we're going to talk about something that is very, very, very passionate uh, to me, um, what they call oracy. So basically what I call oral communication in the classroom. So I have Henry Imeka and CJ. Hi, Henry and CJ. Hello,
1: hi.
0: Nice to see you. So we can see each other here on Zoom, but obviously the listeners will only get the audio. So I think we'll just start off by, um, I'll let you introduce yourselves. So we found each other and and, uh, this is how I find a lot of my guests on social media. Um, it's interesting how social media feeds you what you want to see, right? So I stumbled upon their noisy classroom, classrooming.com. So if you want to check it out, or sorry, that's the website. If you want to check it out, the handle for Instagram is noisyclassroom, N as in Natalie, G as in giant, and you can see all of the wonderful stuff that they have on there. So um, I'm not sure who wants to start. Maybe um, Henry, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started with all of this.
2: Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Henry Emeka. I am one of the lead facilitators of Noisy Classroom IRC, And we officially started in 2020. Uh, we discovered that in Nigeria, that our culture has always has an impact on had an impact on our communication style, so we wanted to do something about it. Our kids are not as assertive or confident as they should be, so we decided to do something about it by creating a program where we get train kids and teach kids how to communicate effectively.
0: That's fantastic. Um, and yourself, CJ. Maybe CJ, you can tell us um, your full name and a little bit about how you got involved.
1: Okay, my name is Igwe Chijo um, but it's CJ for short. Um, actually, this was not something that um, we just, you know, decided to start. We noticed that there were a couple of things that was really wrong with um, the way kids communicate and, and more importantly, the way kids sound. So um, actually, we met... Uh, where we used to work <laughs> um, before now, and oh, that was the first time we met. We, I was I was head of research. He was. Um, he was <laughs> so, but he he was he was a staff member, and um, after the whole thing, we went our separate ways, and we kept doing stuff with schools. And then later on, we realized that there was a problem. Um, it was The fateful day, he I think he put up something or I put up something, or we just saw and we met and we realized that we shared the same um, passion and burden for um, the challenge that kids go through with um, and issues of communication and all of that. And we decided we wanted to do something about this. And myself being a research person and also him being um, someone who was inclined to psychology, child psychology and all of that, it, it, it got us it, to this road and this journey where we had to discover Um, a couple of things that could work better. And then we started this journey um, called OREC, having done all our research and all of that.
0: It's it's very fascinating to me. And during the pre-interview, you were describing to me how the communication styles of Nigerian children are, 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 like you said earlier, they're not very assertive and, and um, they tend to apologize a lot for, for no really apparent reason. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit more about that.
2: Okay. In Nigeria we tend to have a thing for foreign accents. And when you have a British accent, when you have an American accent, people tend to respect you more, admire you. So what's some school owners did is they got people to come in and train children how to speak with a foreign accent so the place we started to was that we worked together where we got uh, got to meet each other we were actually brought in to train children how to speak with an accent we were trained mm-hmm. to speak with an accent then we were asked to go to these schools and teach these kids how to speak with an accent it was one hell of a struggle
0: mm-hmm. because Why? these are
2: kids with Native accents, they, their parents speak with Nigerian accents, their siblings, everyone around them speaks with, with a Nigerian accent. And they're asking us to go train them once a week. And you expect them to speak with an accent all, for the rest of their lives. So it, it wasn't working because we felt like communication has a lot to do with other things. Accent is not the only thing we have to focus on. We need to focus on other things as well. So some kid, we did come up with, because we we're under pressure to, to impress clients. We came up with ideas and how to get this thing to work. We had to work on ourselves first. So we weren't speaking like this initially. Yeah, so we had the Nigerian accent to start. So right now, back then, I wouldn't sound like this.
0: Okay, so, so, so right to, now you are your your the accent that you have is because of all the training that you've had to reduce your native language accent.
2: Yeah, exactly. So okay. it was a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of exercises and practice uh, sessions you had as well. So after that, we were able to we fix our accents first, then we wanted to replicate the process with other children. It was a, It was a struggle because kids being kids, so it wasn't easy. But that actually set the foundation for what we're doing now. Because if you can teach a child to change or tweak his accent, then you can actually help that child communicate better, be more assertive, more confident. So we said we're going to shift the focus away from accent acquisition to proper communication skills development. So with the skill we've learned, our accents were not like this before. Now it's better. So what what, we, what have we done to get to those point? We're going to use what we've done to get to this point to help the children improve their communication skills, generally, basically.
0: And you know, you say that in Nigeria, um, people really seem to favor the British or the English accent, and I think that it's like that in many countries. I mean, even here in Canada. Anybody who is, a, a, you know, a, a, an immigrant to Canada or anybody who has an accent that doesn't sound like Canadian or Eng- or American English, there are speech and language pathologists that work with these people to reduce or modify their accent. And I know that there is a trend toward you know, to move away from that because we all have accents. You know, everybody's yeah. got an accent. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I find it very interesting how you, you took it upon yourselves to take that shift from modifying the accent to modifying the communication to make the communication more effective. So exactly. how do you do that?
2: It's a lot, it's a lot of work, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Um, and my my colleague needs to answer this one, so <laughs> I'll come in much later. Okay, okay so um,
1: first and foremost, bef- um, the process we, we would usually um, use or go through when we um, tried to reduce the accents of some of these kids um, was such that we would use things like sounds and all of that, to, um, and all the drills with pronunciation. Transcriptions as well. Yeah, A and transcriptions. So, um, but then we realized that as much as we going to, or we wanted to work on not just the really sound, but, but communication, we had to think about all the cultural barriers to um, how they speak. Um, we identified a couple of the issues with the way we speak and how our culture influences our communication, okay? So just like you mentioned earlier, um, most of the kids see their parents. For example, a child will walk up to her mom or her dad and go, "Um, mom, I I need, um, let's say, I need candy or something. And the mom will be like, is it every time you want candy? You know
2: <laughs> yeah so
1: the way the parents would always reply or respond to the kids gave um, an idea of how some of the kids um, would um, speak or communicate to even their peers you see them in the classroom some of the kids will always um, start out whatever they want to say with um, with a shout or with some form of aggression you know so what we did was that we had to look at Um, these cultural issues that influences our communication style. And then we had to look at um, the pros, the cons, and do a switch, so to speak, and then find out what works, and then use that to help the kids um, learn. So that's the first thing. We had to look at what was happening in our community um, with the kids culturally, and how that affects our communication. And then from then on, we moved on to structure um, how that could be uh, modified using proven um, principles in oracy to help the kids recognize that if you're going to say some, something to someone, where do you start from, okay? Um, what's the co- cognitive um, activity that goes on in the mind of some of these kids so that, um, or that should go on when a talk um, should uh, be done or said, Um, And then we outline that and help the kids understand the process. So we move from just the cultural issues to structuring out how from thought level Mm -hmm. to final expression, responses, and all of that. So that flow.
2: Mm -hmm. What we actually uh, did as well was, as regards our approach to this, was we, the average Nigerian kid loves stories and games. The average African. Love story. I don't I do want to generalize. So what we did was we tended to storify our our content. We we called it storify so gamify. Yeah, game-y-fy. So yeah. the normal accent class would be you know to, to do a lot of, lot of drills, drill the kids the kids to death, and <laughs> have them give our words just to make sure they remember the words. So that wasn't working for us. And the kids needed to enjoy themselves, they didn't to look forward to our sessions. So what we did was we tended to convert the lessons to stories. For example, um, one of the most common stories is uh, the one we use, but I call it Adventures of Bombay. Yeah, Bombay. <laughs> Bombay okay. say, Adventures of Bombay, we have um, a number of them anyway. So for Adventures of Bombay, it's pretty simple. We have words that end, they have the E-R sound in them, E-R-I-R sound, the er sound. So we build a story around it. Bombay, the lazy caveman who never likes to work and decides to go... Uh, hunt for food and ends up eating rotten fruits. And he has to poop. Then ends up making a sound because now he, he has stomach upset. Yeah. making the earth sound, and the kids kind of liked it. Yeah. Make, make the poop sound like Bombay. Then they make the sound. So those yeah. stories got to them. Yep. We used the stories to drive home the lessons. Then also you gamified our content. We made uh, cards, yeah, printed cards. That we converted some of these words to the drills. The kids they just, they have, just have just had to play games. play games, play the cards. So we had different kind of games to help the kids learn and assimilate some of these uh, uh, some of these things we didn't you know, didn't learn. So it wasn't easy. It hasn't been easy so far, honestly.
0: Well, so far- and, and anytime that you're playing with kids, you, you know they think that they're playing, but there's a lot of work that goes behind it to I'm have uh, you know there, there's some structure to it on your end of things but they think they're just having fun and I've, I've had exactly. that happen when I was you know if I'd be in therapy with a child working on articulation or what what have you and if the parent was nearby it just looked like I was playing with the child. Exactly. Like, oh, you know? <laughs> That's
2: the feel honestly yeah. Yeah. sometimes the teachers accompany the kids they, they come in for the sessions so they leave the kids and we start you know I start with stories we start with stories and we... Play games, and in their minds, they're like, What are these people doing here?
0: Yeah, yeah, so I, I can relate you
2: know, when they get to the classroom and the kids start practicing some of the things that's when they go. Oh, they go, Oh, so you learn this thing during this activity. I thought you were just having fun. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's been the same story over here as well,
0: absolutely. Okay, so you do this using three different. Components, so to speak. Can you talk to us about the the three components of your program? Yeah,
2: vocabulary development, speech language uh, development, and social communication development.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm
2: going to start off with vocabulary development. He's going to do speech language development. Okay. But we discovered that the average Nigerian child tends to you know, has vocabulary issues, like they lack the words with which to express certain concepts and feelings. So we have, what we basically use, we use generic words to describe things that should be more specific, especially emotions related to the, the words. How are you, you ask the average Nigerian child, how are you doing? The first word that comes to mind is fine. <laughs> so nothing else comes to mind. The first One of the first things I had was I told them there are other words outside fine. If someone asks you how you're doing, you can actually use other words to describe how you're feeling. Fine does not tell me that you're excited. It doesn't tell me that you're sad. It doesn't tell me that you're unhappy. Fine is just a bland word. So we need to, you know, teach them more words with which to express themselves. So we built stories around that. We, had, we also used stories to teach, teach um, kids uh, those words. Uh, that's for vocabulary and for that. So
1: so for uh, speech language development, uh, um, um, for me, one of the things that, one of the reasons why we really zeroed in on this particular one was because um, before we even came together uh, where where we used to work, I I would go into some of the classes and teach and I noticed kids struggle, especially kids who had dyslexia. and I, I would notice that some of these kids couldn't read, okay? And also I noticed some of them who stutter, you know, find, found it very difficult so when we had maybe a um, read aloud session and all of that. I, I started noticing that some of these kids were struggling and their teachers, Nigerian teachers can be, um, they can be very interesting sometimes. <laughs> so the teachers would notice and um, instead of finding a way to go about it systematically to make sure that works out um, that works out well and the kids get to do their reading properly or be more outspoken or be more fluent. What it is that it gets to either um, shout at them or um, scold them or even spank them, you know, okay. Not so out of, maybe out of frustration. Let me give it, let me, give, let me say that as well. So most of the, most of the teachers usually go through um, um, this experience with the children who struggle with their speech and mostly their reading. So what we did was that we said, some kids in the class, maybe one or two, might not be finding um, the session exciting because they are shy or they have a speech defect or um, they, they have a reading disability or something, you know. And what we did was that we had to include um, a way to go about not just, you know, getting them to play games and all of that, but visually help them understand, you know, how to connect the sounds, how to how to improve the way um, they speak or they read. So, and so what we do is, apart from helping them to improve their communication, we look at some of the defects and we use um, techniques for reading to help them work on their speech first mm-hmm. before we move, to, move them to com- more complex speech and um, oral communication, and also we have the oral exercises for some of the kids who have struggled with some of the sounds, mm-hmm. so they can practice and practice and get used to. It. And then we use tongue twisters. Yes, one of our, one of my fun moments in the classroom is usually the tongue twister session because that's where you really know um, which kid is struggling. And sometimes we downplay the whole tongue twister thing. I think it was just you know something very you know nice and fun to have, but it's real activity. It can help to not just identify the kids who struggle, but help you support the sounds. So one of the, that's what one of the things we do with the speech-language session. We try to make sure that the kids are, especially the ones who struggle, because not all of them will be right. able to speak fluently. So we try to get the ones who struggle to do those little exercises, but not isolated. And this is the thing that a lot of um, teachers make a mistake with. Don't try and isolate the child and try and do... Uh, um, a specific drill,
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay? Make the drill something that all the kids can do. Make it exciting, yes. make it okay. fun, and then get all of them to get it, to do it together. It's been phenomenal, really. And
0: just by the influence of their, of their peers. Now, maybe just for the listeners, I just wanted to um, talk a little bit about the different ethnicities and languages in Nigeria. So there's, you know, over 200 ethnicities and a lot yeah. of different languages. And so some children may even they may not even have a particular sound in their repertoire of their native language yeah. and so they have to learn it in English so, so and I can't even imagine if you're working with all of these different native languages how how difficult it must be and so I think that what you're saying using an approach that favors the entire classroom um, is, is a win-win situation it doesn't harm anybody right? Yeah and the, the one, one of the
2: very common sound that's ne- that's not in the Nigerian uh, language system is the th sound mm-hmm. the th sound. Like so normally kids don't even know how to start to make that sound. You can't tell them, okay, do, you do a tongue like this. I, it's always complex to describe the sound to them. So what we just did was we came up with a very simple uh, concept. We called it the sticky tongue sound. So we had a picture of a puppy with a tongue out. So all they have to do is just look at the puppy tongue out and go mm-hmm. just force the air out. Go, yeah. So it's very simple. So we come, came up with stories and simple activities like that to make them enjoy the entire process. Because then you can't go all too detailed with kids. Yeah, no, you, You're going to lose them. So you have to make sure it's very simple and basic for them to, to understand.
0: Okay, so we talked about the vocabulary development, the speech-language development, and the other one was the socio-communication development. So social communication development. So tell <laughs> us about that.
2: <laughs> I think the first part was actually... Born out of the impact of our culture, our culture or communication style. So the average Nigerian child we, had, we, had, we started the session last week with some of our clients and we discovered that it's a prevalent issue. Kids in Nigeria have come to see assertiveness as rudeness. So if, you, if you're being assertive as a kid, that means you're rude. You can't. When an adult is talking, an adult says something. Yeah. That you cannot correct them. When, when, when someone actually insults you, an adult insults you, says something that hurts your feelings. You can't tell them that you've been hurt emotionally. Yeah, you have to you take it all in. So it happens all the time and it was, it was really heartbreaking to see that happen in classrooms. I did that with a kid. I intentionally said some words to some children after the session and I wanted them to just, you know, let me know that I, I, I had hurt them with my words. After the whole practice session, I said something like, oh, you're know, you so big, you're so fat. And the boy was just looking at me. He couldn't see how he felt. He felt bad, obviously, but he couldn't see it. So it's a general problem here in Nigeria. Kids don't know how to communicate their feelings. It's, it's an aspect of this whole LCD. So first is assertiveness. So we're working on that to help kids be more assertive yeah. and more confident. If, you're, if you have something to say, you have the right to say it. If you feel a certain way because of what someone has said to you, you have the right to actually correct that person, tell the person, okay, you can't talk to me like this. Kids have the right to have an opinion. So we have to make sure that, as much as we respect and love our culture, there's some aspects to it we have to deal with. Yeah, for us to actually develop as a country and as a people. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of this is uh, the the P talk. It's very important. The average Nigerian kid is scared of public speaking. Public, like everyone, yeah. everyone hates <laughs> public speaking. Uh, almost <laughs> everyone does. But I think with the Nigerian kids, it's it, it's it's totally something. Uh, it's really hard to describe because you can't just call out a Nigerian kid to come share something insightful while on their feet it's really hard to just get them to come up and just, okay, you know what tell us about this thing share with the team what you think what your idea is about it like, it's really hard I've done it several times and they, they really share something authentic we will rather memorise an entire textbook and you know <laughs> yeah. tell you everything about it and you think you're smart yeah. there is nothing authentic about how we're thinking and uh, we don't want the generation to have that kind of but we had, we had the same issue was easy for us to memorize an entire biology textbook and come and just record <laughs> yeah.
0: so We needed them
2: to actually think and question things. Mm-hmm. So the, the reason why we had the peak talk was for them, you know what, no matter how dumb your idea is, we want you to have the courage, the confidence to share it. Just share it. Yeah. Just share it, no matter how dumb it is. you you might not get the best reception at first, but the most important thing is you've got the chance to share your idea. So you need to start advocating for your own ideas, for your own thoughts as kids. No matter how dumb it is, someone will listen to you. Someone might like what you have to say. So that's the essence of the whole picture. So we're doing storytelling as part of it. So we want them to share normal um, folklores and we'll get them to start sharing authentic real stories because the funny thing is kids here have a lot of stories that they want to share personal stories and they really want people to have to listen to it but you know because of the cultural issues here no one wants to come out and be vulnerable kids have stories to share we want to hear them share their stories we want to hear them share their ideas we want to hear them share their terrible experiences because we had something like that last last term we had a session on listening and uh, we made, made it, a, okay, boys to, boys to boys talk, girls to girls talk. No, boys will, a boy will always talk to a boy, girls to girls. And so the boys started talking to themselves. And I was just in the class just observing and discovered two boys started crying. They were about uh, eight or nine. I didn't know what was happening. I thought I'd done something wrong as a teacher. The kids were crying and I asked what happened. And I heard the story that one of the kids, one of the boys shared with his classmates. This is something he wouldn't do on a normal day, but the session gave them the chance to actually share that story. And when he shared it with his friend, he started to cry. And his friend felt his pain. Mm
0: -hmm. And he
2: cried as well.
0: So we rarely
2: have sessions like that in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. The essence of the whole SCD thing is not just to get them to be outspoken, it's to get them to be able to share authentic,
1: real thoughts.
2: An yeah, idea and,
1: and express their emotions. Because some of the kids who, um, um the time I was in the class and I, I was having a session with one of the kids, Uh there was this particular girl, I think her, her, her dad just left home, like left the marriage and left everything. Mm-hmm. And she came to school that day, devastated. So while I was having the class, I think one of the pupils said something And she just said, don't ever say that again. And I was like, Why did you have to reply or respond that way? And then she just told me, Dan left home today. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment I realized some of these kids have things that are locked in.
0: And sessions
1: like this help them to express it and bring it out. And if we don't coordinate that, some of these kids will grow up with some of those things bottled inside of them and not be able to express themselves. And we find a, a, a bad way to express oh, themselves. Yes. Yes. A nice. bad way. Most of them usually were invented in ways that it, that's not coordinated um, and not well
2: thought through. I always say the average Nigerian needs serious therapy. <laughs> because we never we, we even as adults we never had the opportunity to actually express it. Yeah. No one no one likes to see anyone die. The only time you're allowed to cry is when someone dies. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're not that expressive, but we can't afford to have a generation with, of young people with feelings bottled head. So, SCD is not just a chance for them to improve their you know, communication skills, just talk. Yeah. It's a chance for them to believe that their thoughts and their ideas deserve to be shared and heard.
0: Mm-hmm. And I like how you put a lot of emphasis on the listening part of it as well. So, listening is also a skill that needs to be developed. Uh, all not too often, kids are already thinking about what they want to say while the other person is still talking to them. They're not actively listening. They, they just want their turn. And mm-hmm. so I like how even on your Instagram account, there's a, a quote there that says, you know, dialogue deepens understanding. And I, I like that. It's, it's true. When you're talking to people, you understand more about the world around you and other people's point of view. And, and there's so much that we take for granted. Okay, so um, one thing that is also, I think, worth mentioning is um, we were talking about this at the pre-interview, how in Nigeria, language or communication is not something that is taught um, in a structured manner, right? It's something that's done uh, through, like you said, through stories or just very informally. So can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, (laughs) I had an experience in high school I had an English teacher who had an MSc in English language, master's um, degree Mm -hmm. in English language. So she walked into class one day. She was teaching us how to make the, the, um, to pronounce words with the O, O, R sound. Words like door, floor. uh, She came in, she wrote the word on the board and said, the word like D, O, O, R, and said (laughs) door. A floor.
0: Oh,
2: my (laughs) God. We were all confused. You're right. <laughs> so we were all confused. Too. And I'm pretty sure she's taught that to a number of people. So over here, it's not something we take seriously. Pronunciation is not something we take seriously. If you speak with an accent for too long, people get uncomfortable around you because they think, okay, you're trying to intimidate them. Yeah. So the only, we just want, it's easier to communicate with the bit in English because it's so unstructured. <laughs> So we think every other language has to be like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So So what what we have done with this is okay. We're letting the kids know the words in your head can be structured in a way that when it gets out, people understand you more, and more, better. So what you have in your head here, it might come out and have a different meaning entirely. Mm-hmm. You have to when you, before it comes out, you think about the person that you're you know, talking to them. You have to structure your thoughts in a way that when it comes out, people understand. We have a lot of people misunderstand tones here. And like over here, like with the wrong tone, you're looking for a fight. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you that with the wrong tone, you're looking for a fight. So you have to always consider. You're talking talking to. To, yeah. You have to be very thoughtful how you structure your thoughts and your words because the person next to you might be one aggressive bully. <laughs> <laughs> For your own safety, you need, to, you need to watch your words. So this program has really helped us, helped the kids we've worked with to realize that communication is important. It is very important. But what is most important is ensuring that the person you're talking to understands you. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you cannot speak to an, a, a village, a, 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 a grandma who's lived her life in the village. You cannot speak to her with a speak, have a talk with her with a, with a British accent because she won't understand you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that you're talking to her as much. As you have the accent; it's nice. You have to make sure that you, you know, your style suits her understanding, Standing. her comprehension. Right. You really have to be flexible. That's why we're not to help with an accent thing.
0: Yep. And yeah. And it's uh, it's nice to to bring children to a certain level of awareness that different speakers will understand th- things differently and you have to adjust your own method of communication according to the person that you are with. So I think that oftentimes we, we assume that children will know that, but they don't always know that and we need to teach them that explicitly for sure. Well, maybe we can take a listen to some of the children in um, some of your programs. So you do have on your Instagram account some great videos that really demonstrate some of these skills. And I think um, for those of us who are maybe not as familiar with the Nigerian culture, it's important to keep in the back of our minds that this is a big deal. Children don't just go up in front of the class typically and 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 speak out, right? Like you said, they'd rather just memorize something from a book and, and say it. So... Let's just take a listen. Um, I like this one here. It's one of the first ones that you posted. It's a little girl uh, who has a who does a monologue. So it looks like a ghost, a very nasty. So for the listeners, um, if you could see this, and I invite you to check it out on their Instagram account, the, the young girl in this video is very expressive, and she's very dramatic, and she's using a lot of gestures, and, and everybody in the classroom is just watching her so intently. So can you talk to us a bit about, you know, what would that activity have as a goal? The goal,
2: the, the primary goal of virtually all the activities is expressiveness. You need to, well, don't we give them the monologue. It was like, and have a nandering child would just read out loud normal ways. You just read. You need to make sure that you bring your words to life. The words are not just, the words can't do the magic. There's a way you see a word, it means a different thing. There's a, there's a body language, you, you're attached to a word, it gives a different meaning. So you need to realize that you have the power to modify words. A word like I told I tell them sometimes you hear people have you heard someone say go to hell? They always agree. Or go to hell is a common expression. like, very offensive. Like sometimes someone just said oh, go to hell, and no one would react. Someone to come in and say go to hell, and you see all hell is let loose because <laughs> you clearly offended the person. So you can see it's not the word; it's how the word is said. Mm-hmm, but the purpose of. Monologue is for you to actually know that you can actually tweak and play around with words, come up with different forms of expression for the same set of words. Yeah, you can recite the same thing, you know, with the, the same set of words. You can say it with, with a uh, sad emotion, and it comes off as oh, this must be a really sad, like side, sad writer. Yeah. You can say it in a way that's very dramatic, like oh. Did this really happened to you. You can say it in different ways. Gives them the chance to play with words and find different forms of expression for uh, those words.
0: Mm-hmm. Another
2: thing is the
1: um, intelligibility, because sometimes you know, as much as you can express your thoughts and everything, you have to be clearly yes. understood, you know. And which is where, the, like he said, you know, once you, once you express, once you're quite expressive about what you want to say, Um, people get a feel of um, what you have in mind. Because sometimes, you know, um, over here, some people can just talk very flat. Some kids, you ask them a question and you're just there and just answering very flat, you know. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you also emphasise and what we look out for when we have these activities is apart from expressing yourself, is that make sure you're intelligible, make sure you're clear, Mm -hmm. make sure you're understood Mm-hmm. And make sure whatever you're saying has the necessary meaning um in your expression so you don't express something and then you're saying something else you know, so. yeah
0: and we we've all experienced that as adults via texting right <laughs> and so there is no intonation in texting and so the interpretation is often very different than what the intent was and so that kind yeah. of really shows how important tone is and expression is, because when you're texting, there's none of that. And, and so sometimes your message is really not <laughs> interpreted in the way that you wanted it to be. I like how you talk about intelligibility, because, you know, if we go back to the the issue around accent, accent is only a problem if, it, if you're not understood by someone else, but yeah. you can have an accent and still be understood as long as you, you know, maybe you slow down your rate of speech and use the proper expression and whatnot. But um, I think that intelligibility is is way more important than accent
2: absolutely so we're trying not to make them ashamed of the name the accent That's
0: which true. is something
2: that most school owners educators over right here have always done mm-hmm. <laughs> they, have a, they have a very common expression which they call, they call speak right I i want to look at how <laughs> why why have, have they been speaking left over as well <laughs> why do they have to speak right now <laughs> Well, please speak right. Say this, and, say. and what, yeah. what what are asking the kids to do? Is you have to speak with an accent, with certain yeah. intonation. You hear things like a kid says, I, "I want to drink water." Somebody go speak right, but I want to drink water. I'm not understanding. Like, what's the difference? between I want yes. to drink water, and I want to drink water. <laughs> it makes no difference. Right? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been fighting that all the time here. We should be proud right. of what we have.
0: So you're, you go into schools and to classrooms and you do all of this work. So how do people find this information? So how, how would they, and and I know we were talking in the pre-interview about during the pandemic, during lockdown, you've had to use a lot of the virtual platforms. So how do you, or how would a teacher invite you into their classroom to work with the children?
2: Typically, we were contacted by the school owners, and mostly private schools. Then, not what they really want us to do is want us to go around the classes, you know, have your sessions in the classroom. we we'll go meet the kids in their classes and have the sessions. And it, that, that used to, that, that kind of worked before, but we discovered that the kids need to actually leave the confines of the classroom to be more expressive. So, because The truth is the average Nigerian classroom is very suppressive. Mm-hmm. Only the teacher is allowed to do the talking. Kids can only ask questions. So we discovered that it wasn't giving us room for expressiveness amongst, uh, with the children. So I so said, you know what? We have to leave the classroom. Mm-hmm. Every school must have a room or space set aside for this program. So that's, um, that we, really get that. we get projectors and we start our sessions inside that space. Everything happens inside there. So we ask them, whatever you learn here, take it outside and put it to practice back mm-hmm. to the classroom and use it. So what, what, what we have done so far is if um, just we have what was the question again, you, you
1: there. Was, so let me let me just yeah. so um so apart from the classroom also like you asked about the lockdown um mm-hmm. and how we were able to get the kids yeah. to learn and how you know we could get the school how we got the schools to participate or signing and do stuff. So we um, what we did was that we created videos. Um, animated videos. Animated videos, yeah. So we created animated videos. And um, now, during the lockdown, it was pretty funny <laughs> how some of the um, online classes went here in Nigeria. You know, so, so for the schools that we took, what we did was we, um, instead of just going into, most of them used different um, platforms to run their classes. Google Classroom. You know, Google Classroom mm-hmm. um, and all of that. Zoom. But what we did was that instead of just going into those, uh, going using those platforms and just having that, we had to create videos, animated videos. And then we sent to the school and show them a pattern of how to go about using the videos. So that when they do, and then most of these kids got these videos and their parents were downloading it, um, some from the websites, some directly to their school platform and all of that. And they downloaded it and the parents, and we structured the video in such a way that even when, we were not there, the kids seems- could learn by themselves. Because okay. um, the biggest challenge we had during the lockdown, trying to get kids to learn with, um, 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 with digital resources, was that if we were not there physically, the kids would get distracted. Yes. <laughs> what we did was that we had to make sure that it was fun, it was animated, it was engaging and very interactive. So mm-hmm. the nature of some of the videos that we had wasn't such that they just had to watch Till the end, so we'll have moments um, just like you had for Dora and uh, Dora the Explorer. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, so we we kind of used that idea um, to make sure that some of our videos are not just a talk through till the end, and the kids are just listening. What we did was that we would present something and we'd ask them to do it. So it was like question and answer. So we would do something with a particular character and ask the kids a question and wait for a while. Right, And then because the kids knew that nothing was playing at the time, because the question was asked, most of the kids would on their own just respond. So it was interactive from the beginning till the end. Right now, we're also at the moment we're still developing more materials because um, based on our experience from last year and coming into this year. And in fact, when, when schools resumed this year in Nigeria, we had more work to do. <laughs> so we've not really had time to put more content out there so that they could go out go on the website and download at the moment we're still developing stuff and there's a whole lot coming um, between now and the end of the year that would we'll also have even schools that can get our service or can get us to come physically to be able to download those resources and go through a proper plan and um, curriculum that would help them implement this in their school and then parents as well how parents can also use this at home
0: mm-hmm. no that's fantastic and i know a lot of um good has come out of of the lockdown a lot of people have had to use yeah
1: um,
0: digital resources to try to reach children and i think that you know like you said after this is all all said and done then we'll be able to use both together the physical aspect but also the recordings and, and incorporate yeah. those all right so you know i'm, I'm mindful of the time um I always ask my guests this one question, and I did want to ask you both. Uh, This podcast is about communication in general. And so I always ask my guests, what does communication mean to you?
2: Well, he's going to go first. (laughs) (laughs) For me, personally, I have to be very personal. Communication for me is primarily about mutual comprehension. So make sure that you're understanding me and make sure that I'm understanding you. Because I can talk all I want and then name of communicate. the moment you're not comprehending what I'm saying, mm-hmm. or you, when you're listening what I'm saying, then you're not communicating. It's mutual. That's right. We have to be, listen to me. We have to listen to each other. We have to understand each other. That That's what has always been to me.
0: Perfect. To make sure that
2: things don't come in the way to actually, you know, there's that the, the understanding.
0: Yeah, I like so,
2: that. I'm, I'm going to say the same thing
1: because for me, usually when I, um, um, I, and I'm not saying, I'm going to say the same thing because he said that, but because for me, um, usually when I have issues with anybody, when it comes to communication, it's, it usually boils down to understanding, basically. So someone can say something. Um, if, I'm, if I don't understand what the person is saying, really, it's because information can be passed, but mm-hmm. that's not communication that's one of the things I've learned, okay? So as much as, and which is what we, we've we come to experience with the kids, um, and which is why we've been working hard to change this, because in schools, especially in Nigerian schools, and even in some parts of the world, teachers are doing a lot of talking, and now the kids express themselves too. Now, most kids, especially here in Nigeria, because of the way our uh, teaching is structured, when the teachers do a lot of Talking, the next thing you see, instead of even getting the kids to ask questions, you see them getting them to write notes and taking down notes and all of that. And at the end of the day, there's no clear understanding from the part of the kids. And then when you set exams and tests, some of these kids do poorly, and you're wondering what really went wrong. Did that communicate properly? And when I say that, it means um, the teacher gets to ask, Did the child understand what I taught? So, really, it's about understanding because a lot of information can go out there, but if your communication isn't understood, not just by the person who's listening, but also by you who's communicating, who's passing the information. Mm-hmm. Because the truth of the matter is sometimes people say stuff and don't understand what they're saying. They're not listening to themselves. They're not thinking about what they're saying. So for me, communication is simply about that. Having that um, ability to first understand what you want to communicate clearly, and then being able to have understanding um um, um, mutually between the person who's communicating and the other person yeah.
2: that, that, that's who's listening. We have lots of breakups break, in Nigeria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship over here, I think Nigeria has a communication issue. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, the truth. So, it, it, it's, from what he has said, it's that's, he just nailed it. You need to make sure you understand the person you're talking to. Because I actually have, I have, I've had a very personal experience with <laughs> my girlfriend. I don't know if I can talk about that here. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't go well. I, clearly, I, I was saying, I thought she understood me. I was mm-hmm. communicating how busy I was. Her had a lot of work to do. She was hearing that I didn't have time for her. Right. I was saying I was busy. She was hearing something different. Yeah. <laughs> And in my mind, I was communicating. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Communication is a very powerful thing and we take it for granted again. So, I, I, you know, hats off to both of you for starting this program, The Noisy Classroom. I think that it is so important to make children aware of what communication is. And actually, research has shown that, especially in children who speak more than one language, the more they are aware of the various languages and the differences between languages, the better they are at communicating across languages. So, thank you so much. Um, again, I've given the hashtag for your Instagram account. You also have a website, noisyclassroomng.com, where you can find a lot of those videos. Um, is there anything else, a take home message that you would want the listeners to leave with after they are done listening to this episode?
1: Okay, I think for me, um, maybe because of my love for um, speech and um, helping kids who, who struggle with defects and especially kids who um, um, have issues with reading, basically, teachers have to learn to be very patient. Not just teachers, parents. Um, I know parents who, maybe because their child was born with a certain defect, you know, they write off the child and then they start doing this thing, this comparison um, between the child and their pairs and start saying, Can't you see what your, what can't you see what this person's child is doing? They do that a lot in Nigeria. they do okay. that a lot. And so a lot of comparison. And um, one of the things parents need to understand is that every child has their um, has, has their time um, for development. So mm-hmm. it's not every child develops in the same way.
0: Mm-hmm. And once they
1: understand that exercise patients, and then take the time to find out what are the best ways to help this child learn mm-hmm. or communicate or, or develop. Because sometimes a method you see um, another person's um, child, um, a method that you see a parent use for their child may not work for your child. So Absolutely. understand your child, understand their strengths, understand their weaknesses and focus more on their strengths in the sense that use the areas of your strength to strengthen and improve their weaknesses. Something that we've come to learn to do here, especially when I work with kids who have um, um, speech defects or um, reading difficulties is something I always make sure I look for their strengths mm-hmm. and I um, amplify that to override their weaknesses and improve their situation.
0: Absolutely. I like that. All right. Yeah. And anything else? Did you want to add something, Henry?
2: Uh, it's just just general um, advice for parents. It's some based on my experience in classroom. I don't know if it's you know if it's global or universal, but based on my experience in my own classroom, is um, parents needs to find better way of helping their children deal with emotional issues. It needs to find it because it's when a child has you no know, when a child you know, probably hurts him herself. We've course, we have the first aid box to do with that, to so tend to the wounds and stuff. When it comes to emotional issues, parents are almost clueless. Almost clueless. So what I have observed is kids talk more in our session because it's an outlet for them. Mm-hmm. So parents should, you know, they should try, teachers as well should try to create outlets for kids to express themselves and their feelings. It's very important. It's more important than School, 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 uh, school knowledge, school, um, academic knowledge. No, Sometimes
1: knowledge. it could be way more mm-hmm. important because if the child is not um, mm-hmm. um, psychologically, emotionally organized, mm-hmm. the child may not right. be able to understand, mm-hmm. you know, um, what is being taught in the classroom. That's
0: right. Please
2: find a way to help a child
0: deal with emotional pain and injuries. Okay. Well, thank you for those two important take-home messages. Um On that note, I'd like to thank both of you, um, Henry and CJ, creators and lead facilitators of the Noisy Classroom, for joining me today on this episode of the Parley Podcast. I will have all of the links that we talked about today on the show notes at theparleypodcast.com. So please feel free to take a look at that. And um, thanks again. And I wish you the best of luck. This is still very new. You said you started this in 2020. And so I hope to see more come out of this. I think it's very important. I think that a lot of countries can also find inspiration in some of the work that you're doing. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you you so much for having us.
0: You're very welcome. All right.